guys, it's Jenny. And this is Alexa. And we're back with another edition of Checked Out. Uh, today, because Halloween is coming, we're talking about spooky stories. That's our favorite horror and generally scary books. Or just mildly scary if you were a big chicken like me. Yeah. Uh, joining us today for the podcast is our special guest, Brian Hosevar. Brian is a librarian here at the Northside Branch Library. He's also a published author. He wrote The Witch of Bracken's Hollow under the name Evan Winters, uh, which is very scary. So scary that I uh, refuse to read it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but Brian, uh, we sort of have a gamut here of people and scary books because I, I don't do scary. You do a little scary, right, Alexa? I do, yeah. I can handle it a lot better in book form than I can in screen. Like, seeing all of the gore and the terrifying things presented to me is a lot different. So I'll read pretty much anything. Um, and I, I do. I read a pretty wide gamut of scary things. So, But Brian's our, our, our horror master. Here. An actual fan. An yes. actual <laughs> fan of the genre. Not a master, but an actual fan. So we're going to run through some of our recommendations for scary books and maybe even a few scary movies uh, to watch this Halloween weekend if you're looking for something uh, fun to do. And I'm going to start off because I'm the wuss here. Um, <laughs> and my recommendations for scary books start with uh, the one adult book I'm going to I'm going to mention is The Shining by Stephen King. Solid pick. It's a classic, yeah. right? We've all seen the movie. If you've seen the movie, you should still definitely read the book because the book is different than the movie. Uh, one, it's better, I think. Uh, and two, there's more backstory. The thing that gets me about The Shining the movie is that you don't you don't really delve into where these ghost figures came from. Like, I want to know, like, the this, this creepy twins, what's their backstory? Mm-hmm. Uh, and King gives that to us in the book. We get more information. So, um, Also, the mom in the movie really drives me nuts. Anybody else? Yeah, she's... I get it. <laughs> I get she's it. She's <laughs> kind of... She, I just... Yeah, she, she bothers me. I mean, I end up screaming at her. So I like that in the book, she's a little bit more, I feel like, resilient. She probably seems... Yeah. Like a person would actually be in that situation. In that situation. Oh, I which isn't necessarily fun to watch. Would you, exactly. Yeah. Right? No, no. I would. Yeah. I would. I would. She's pretty screaming. Yeah. So, 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 did you say you like the book or the movie better? I because, like the book better. Oh, very good. I like okay. the. I like the. That's back a big stories. bone of contention among. I know among horror fans and right? Stephen yeah. King, Stephen King fans and Stephen King himself. Yeah. Did we talk about this the other day? Yeah, Stephen King doesn't like. The, he hates uh, it. Doesn't like the movie. Hates the Kubrick yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Kubrick does his own thing. Yeah, he, um, and he, he Kubrick's gets up anything he does. All over it, exactly. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he really he does. Kubrick did. He did. There's an entire documentary. I can't remember the title. It's the name of the Room Two Thirty Eight. Room Two Thirty Eight. I tried to watch it, and I was just like, "This is too much." <laughs> it was. It really just delves into the Kubrickiness yeah. of The Shining, and it's like, let's look at this one panel from this one picture that's on the wall at this one still frame in The Shining, and I was just like, "Whoa, these people need to calm down." This is a lot. <laughs> His brain functions like a faster shutter speed in the rest of ours, yeah. I think. It really did, yeah. I think that's what he was doing there. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> well, Kubrick's work really really invites that kind of, uh, maybe a little bit like David Lynch, that sort of, that notion that if you yeah. stare at it long enough, it's going to mean something bigger. Yeah, and it's true, and you really can do it. I mean, I love A Clockwork Orange. Um, I really, I really like that, um, and I feel like it's kind of the same. Where it's like you really can kind of like freeze frame and like let's look at all the different things that exactly. he included in the shot. Um, but it's just, it's just a lot. It's a lot to make a documentary about. <laughs> so maybe skip the documentary, but read the book. Yeah, for sure. Read The Shining yes. the book. It's fantastic. Be like and, Stephen King. Enjoy yeah, the book better. and it's different. <laughs> the The ending is different. So even if you've read the book or seen the movie, uh, the book is different. So you're not you're not missing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, my other two favorites. Um, one is probably the scariest book I read as a kid. 
So if you have elementary schoolers who maybe are starting to want to kind of push the limits and, and read some scarier stuff, I highly recommend The Witches by Roald Dahl. Solid pick. It was also turned into a very good movie with Angelica Houston. To this day, I give Angelica the Houston the side eye in everything I see. Um, it's probably the first book I remember reading where adults were kind of actively plotting against children, mm-hmm. as they are in this book, turning kids into to mice and all kinds of creepy things. Uh, they have purple eyes, and it's just all over fantastic. I think that's one of the best things about Roald Dahl is that he m- constantly makes adults the bad guys in his mm-hmm. book. Um, I feel like a lot of times kids' books are written by adults, and so typically adults are kind of portrayed in a right. sympathetic light, or they're helpful, or something. Right. <laughs> Roald Dahl just straight up hates and distrusts all adults, and so... Well, or at least they are maybe uh, negligent. It's true. Willfully negligent. So like Matilda, the parents are... They're horrible people, but they're not, like, actively hurting Matilda. They're just negligent. Yeah. Um, you know, the the um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. Willy Wonka is not terrible. He is kind of negligent as children are falling into vats of chocolate around him. Right. But... But then in there's, there's, like, George's Marvelous Medicine, where it's literally just about a child trying to poison his the adult supervisor in his life. See, now I have not read that one. <laughs> because so. she's so terrible. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, it's a good one. I didn't know that one either. George's Marvelous Medicine was one of my favorites. It's literally just, like, a book-long list of all of the poisons that this child puts into this concoction to feed to the person watching him. So, parents, maybe not that one, but definitely <laughs> the witches. I mean, I enjoyed it as an eight-year-old. If I don't you, know. If your kids had something scary. Um, and then my other one, and I really think this guy is is the heir to the the, the Roald Dahl throne of children's books, and that is Neil Gaiman's Coraline. Uh, he writes a lot of stuff for adults. His adult stuff's great. His stuff for kids, to me, is where he really shines. Coraline is about a little girl, moves into a new house. Her parents are busy. They don't have a lot of time for her. And she finds kind of like an alternate universe family um, that's just like hers, except they have button eyes. Uh, and creepy things start to ensue, and uh, Coraline has to make some pretty tough choices. Um but it, it's sort of like the witches and that there's that one dead giveaway in the eyes that these adults are different than the good adults. And I don't know, it's just, it's a fun read. It is creepy. It kept me up after reading it. Mm-hmm. But uh, younger kids will probably really enjoy it. So those are my my top three. Uh, for some things a little bit scarier, Alexa, what do you, what do you recommend? Well, I can kind of go the same way that you did. I've got a couple of J books. I've got some teen stuff. I've got some adult stuff that I really like. Um, I was talking to you both about um, the book that I re- read most recently, um, Thornhill by Pam Smy. Um, this is a J fiction book. We have it cataloged in juvenile fiction at LPL. Um, it's pretty dark. Um, I would highly, highly recommend it if you're looking for something atmospheric, really spooky to read. Um, it's a quick read uh, because it is told in alternating chapters. Um, there are written chapters set in 1987, 1987 or 82, sometime in the 80s, um, told by a young girl orphan um, in England in uh, an orphanage that is about to be shut down. Um, and then the other chapters are t- illustrated entirely. So they're just full-page illustrations that tell the story of a girl in 2017 who moves in next door to the orphanage that has been dilapidated. What is it with down. the English and scary children's books? I don't know. There's something about really spooky, abandoned orphanages, I think, that just calls out to British authors. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Neil Gaiman in his Sandman graphic novel series, Um In one of the many subplots, there is a subplot about an abandoned orphanage filled with orphaned ghost boys. Maybe it's the Um, weather. Yeah, I think that that probably helps. (laughs) It's very just, like, gray. And that's really, the illustrations in Thornhill are very, they're all black and white. And so it's, like, very gray and spooky. And there's, like, 
this weird overgrown garden with all these little puppets that keep getting left outside. And it's it's really spooky. Really, it's intense for a J-read, I have to say. <laughs> um, as far as teen stuff goes, one of my absolute favorite recommendations um, for any teen ever is Through the Woods by Emily Carroll. Um, it's a graphic novel, um, and it is a series of short horror stories. Um, Emily, Car- Emily Carroll is a... Um, illustrator, and she has a website online, and she first got famous for her webcomics. Um, so she does these really elaborate webcomics that you click through a page at a time, and every so often there will be a GIF, um, something, a moving picture. Terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Her most famous work is called His Face All Red, um, which is included in Through the Woods, um, and it's literally one of the spookiest comics that I have ever read in my entire life. I don't want to talk about it at all because I don't want to give anything away. Um, it's really short, um, and you can actually read that one online as well as check out the book in the library. There are some stories that are included in the book Through the Woods that are not on her website. Um, Emily Car- Carroll is great. She actually has a video game, too, that you can play. It is available on Steam. It is called The Yog. So if you enjoy Emily Carroll's um, art style and her kind of quirky nature of her illustrations. You would really like the Yog as well. It's super fun to play, and it's a quick quick game, too. So that one's really good. Um, I'm just going to go with my graphic novel theme, um, <laughs> and I'm going to say, I already mentioned The Salmon. The Salmon is quintessential horror comic. You should Everybody should read The Salmon at some point in their life. The first one is Preludes and Nocturnes. Go read The Salmon by Neil Gaiman. You will thank me later. Um, and my favorite adult spooky graphic novel that I have read in recent years is probably The Gigantic Beard That Was Evil. And it is by Stephen Collins. Um, It's not as funny as it sounds. (laughs) It's very, like, existential horror. So it's not gory, and it's not necessarily overtly scary. It's kind of, like I said, existential in that it's like society is the scary thing. But there is a giant evil beard. Um, that that's true. Okay, good. <laughs> it's not a it's not a it's not like trying to lure you in with the with the quirky title. There is a giant beard, and it is very evil. Um, and the book is very scary. It's very minimalistically drawn. Um, it's all black and white too. Um, and yeah, it's just it's very kind of oppressive. Um, kind of if you've ever read um, House of Leaves, um, that it's kind of got that same kind of claustrophobic, oppressive, like, your surroundings are kind of out to get you feel to it um, in the same way, except it's kind of the surroundings and the people and the gigantic beard that was evil. So there is a beard. There's a beard. Okay. And the beard is evil. I thought this was going to be like the Eddie Izzard book where he has jazz chickens in the title, <laughs> but there are no jazz chickens on the entire no, book. There, there's a beard. Okay, good. It's real evil. Okay. Um, it's not funny, though. The title, I picked up the book initially. I was like, this this seems funny. It's not real funny. <laughs> um, it's not very funny. It is spooky, um, and it will kind of creep you out. Um, so it's perfect for this time of year, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, and now on to our horror master. Uh, our, our big fan of the genre. Brian, what are your top choices? Well, uh, I, I picked a, a Stephen King book myself. Uh, well, he is the master. He is. He is. Uh, so my pick was uh, was Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Solid. Uh, yeah. So Pet Cemetery is it comes from a really, it's a personal pick for me. Um, back when I was in school, 
when I was but a, I, it must have been seventh grade because I remember myself being twelve years old. Uh, we had a, we had a book fair. Do they do they still have those? Where, they do. Yeah, they did they when do. I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, I think they still have them. Yeah. Scholastic book fairs are still around. Scholastic book fairs. I always exactly want to like go was, into right? when I see the signs for it. I want to like break. It. I want to go into the school to the book fair. Exactly. And be like the creepy adult just randomly. They were so much through. fun. Right, and the book that I. Picked up in seventh grade was was uh, Pet Cemetery. They had that at your scholastic book fair. Exactly. Would they do that today? No. That's right. I think it was a different world. It must not have been scholastic. (laughs) So I I I had a copy of 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 Pet Cemetery and and, awesome. Yeah, and and uh, anyone who's read this read that story uh the i think the famous story about it is that stephen king he was in in the 70s he was writing like like mad and he Mm -hmm. had to get a stack of 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 books and he had pet cemetery he had this book and he thought he didn't he 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 wasn't sure if he was going to publish it because he thought this might be a little bit too sick this might be a little bit too much and he discovered no that his, uh, his his audience actually was a lot was was a lot weirder than he thought, and he just kept on keeping on. He kept on keeping on because exactly oh my right. gosh, it's gotten so much worse. Exactly. So <laughs> that I, I guess I, I guess he thought, well, if you can handle that, let's uh, let me introduce you to Annie Wilkes. Yeah, there you go. I think the thing about Pet Cemetery, the the other story that he talks about is how writing one particular scene in the book was the hardest thing that he's ever had to write, and that is um, not to not to spoil it, but uh, I mean, it there, came there's out a death. Yeah, um, there's a death <laughs> in the book, and he says writing that death because it is the death of a child was the hardest Mm -hmm. uh, thing he has ever had to write and I think for parents there's this extra level of super creepiness to uh, super terrifyingness to Pet Cemetery because Mm -hmm. it is about a desperate parent's you know desire to to save a child and and that adds just a whole other layer to it well especially in the early books I think what Stephen King really had going he had some of the best Lots of people have ideas for for stories, but man, his ideas were so, so good, so catchy. I mean, they got you right. What if there was this? What if there was this uh, pet cemetery behind this this old house? What if there was a cemetery behind that? What if it had these powers? And it, and it starts with the cat. Mm-hmm. And then what happens if someone's little boy dies? It's yeah. It uh, you, you really that book drags you through through the muck pretty well, mm-hmm. and uh, you find yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's a fascinating thing in the story when, when 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 for me anyway as a reader when I find myself engaged in what a character is doing something just just outrageous, and and and, and I and I can feel it. I can see mm-hmm. how they got there. Like. I can see how I would get there. This is the genius of his work. This is yeah. the genius of The Shining, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, just normal Absolutely. people. Yeah, and this is why I like the book The Shining better than the movie. You see more of that gradual descent into madness mm-hmm. uh, that I think the movie kind of... I mean, it's Jack Nicholson one, so he appears on screen and you automatically go, well, that guy's not right. Uh, he just <laughs> gives off that aura. And then and then pretty soon after, he's seeing ghosts and he's he's getting crazy. Mm-hmm. But in uh, in the book, it's a much slower descent, which I think makes it creepier. Yeah. You see it happening. You see how it could happen. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's true. Yeah, it's just Jack Torrance instead of. Right. Instead of Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. It's just Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson, which is creepy, don't get me wrong. Yeah. If I saw the man in a dark alley, I'd run. Yeah. But he's got a certain certain kind of air about him. Yeah, very much so. So So Pet Cemetery would be my would be my uh, uh, classic pick. So uh, 
another book that that I would recommend, and I would recommend to LPL uh, customers, is a is a it's a mammoth tome by the name of The Weird. Uh, the Weird came out of uh, it's it's, it's only, I think it's 2012, and it's a uh, it's a collection of shorts of of weird fiction dating from the late 1800s to current day. Do you all so? Have you all read much weird fiction, or do you know much, kind of what the? No, what, I don't at all. Okay. No. No. Okay. No. So yeah. So 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 weird fiction is is uh, sort of an offshoot of horror, I think. Okay. Um, you can get a feel for that if you if if you look at some of the names in the in the book here, like Algernon Blackwood is in it. Um, H. P. Lovecraft is in it. Okay. But uh, maybe but, I have read some. Yeah, yeah. Well, so weird fiction talks about about a kind of fiction where. Uh, it, 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 it's a sort of speculative fiction, but uh, 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 it, it has components of horror, but also, you know, sometimes sometimes components of science fiction or uh, uh, just basically tales of the macabre uh, mm-hmm. that take, take ideas and sort of spin them to their nth degree. Uh, I think that the author who's, who's really well-known right now for that is H.P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft was somebody. My, I don't think he was quite as famous in his in his in his life as uh, as he is now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could be wrong about that. No, I think that you're but, pretty much yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah. Lovecraft has really caught on like a, like a like a dance craze over the mm-hmm. last twenty or thirty years. I think part of it, owing to, um, and this gets into, uh, for lack of a better word, geek culture. But part of it owing to have have either of you been to uh, like the Lexington Comic Con mm-hmm. or have have you picked up on how much Lovecraft lore there is out there? Like, oh yeah, there's so much Cthulhu stuff. I mean, uh, Neil Gaiman Neil Gaiman has written fanfic for Lovecraft. Right, exactly. I mean, like he's got Shaga's Old Peculiar, which is a just like a love letter short story to him. Yeah, I mean it's it's very pervasive in even really famous authors' works. I think right. So so on one on one hand you have you have this speculative fiction that is was very catchy. Uh, it's it's it it it, it wants to be picked at. And then on the, on the other hand, I, I think it owes a little, uh, its popularity owes a little bit to copyright laws mm. because... Because it's free, it's it's, free game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because his stuff exists in the... In the uh, public domain. In the public domain. Yeah. Exactly right, right. It's true. And, and if you look at copyright law, that can get really interesting. It, it all hinges around a mouse, actually. Mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse. Right. And copyright law has been being tweaked in the oh, so Disney can hang on. So to, Disney, exactly. See, that's right. That's right. Right. So, so the yes. weird, so the weird would be a fantastic place to go. You can you can read Algernon Blackwood and uh, Franz Kafka, but then you know Joyce Carol Oates and Michael Chabon and uh, Laird Barron, some more more contemporary authors as well. Oh, I forgot Julio Cortazar is in here. Is in there? He's an all time favorite of mine. Um, this this would be a fantastic. Uh, it's it's thirteen hundred pages. Oh my gosh! So yeah, I actually I, it's I have the Harry Potter of weird fiction. Yeah, <laughs> I actually have it on my on my Kindle. I prefer it on my Kindle because it's yeah, too big to hold. It's like a Norton's yeah, anthology exactly. or something. It's got like does it have like the newspaper print like super thin pages? No, I can't. You know what? I can't remember. <laughs> like now. all my old Nortons do. But that's the good thing about short story collections yeah, like exactly. that is I mean you don't have to just sit down and read it cover to cover. You can pick and choose. Right. You can jump around. You can take your time and, with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the great thing about short stories. I think. 
So my final pick, and this is a more, this is, this is newer, this just came out this year, and I brought, I brought my copy in to show you so that, uh, so that it wouldn't just be me talking about it, but some of you are oohs and ahs, <laughs> is it's a graphic novel that just came out early this year called My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris, I think is how you pronounce her name, I'm not entirely sure, and it's, it's, uh... <laughs> oh, Alison Bechdel liked it. Yeah. That's it, cool. This <laughs> is, so, you can tell just by looking at it, this is a mammoth piece of work. Yeah, it is. And uh, the whole thing is drawn in, uh, it, it's, it's a graphic novel, and it's all drawn, uh, for the most part, in, in, uh, in ballpoint pen, in this really audacious, over-the-top kind of a kind of a style, and it's a it's a, a story about a young woman, a young uh, a, a, a teenager going through. I'm, now that I think about it, I'm not a hundred percent sure how old she is, but uh, she's going through her, her her junior high stuff, okay. and uh, she wants to be a monster. So she, in, all throughout the story, she is, uh, she is, uh... And you guys can't see it at home, but the way that the book is done is it looks like it is yeah. like a junior high, mm-hmm. like, notebook that someone has done drawing. Exactly. Yeah, it's really all on the cool. lined paper. So you, so, so you guys can take a look at it. She draws herself as a monster, as a little, as a little wolf, wolf person. Yeah. And, 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 and as Jenny was saying, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the pages literally look like they're taken from the uh from from a from a notebook from a from a a, uh, a junior high mm-hmm. student's notebook um so this is just a uh a really interesting uh, graphic novel came out earlier this year um apparently I, I know because my wife Naomi got it for me for my birthday and uh she it, it came out and was so popular that it sold out right away and it took a couple months for, for for the next printing to come in. Um, it's beautiful, I, isn't it? Something else. Yeah. The it, only it other really book I know is. of that did that was the Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, <laughs> autobiography, <laughs> which is um, so very different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it reminded me in a way of when uh, you mentioned earlier House of Leaves. When that came out, I was in grad school. And I remember that coming out and just flying off the shelves. Oh yeah. And it was again. This is a debut. This is the first story. Um, so it's a it's uh, let me book talk it a little to give you an idea of what the of what it's really about. This young this this girl who wants to be a monster. She doesn't want to be among the mob, as she calls it, the M, the the mobs, the mean, ordinary, boring people. And uh, it's set in Chicago in 1968. Uh, and this is uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a dichotomy at work here because it is. It, it, it's a it, it's a chi- it's a child telling the story, but it is not a childish story at all. Um, there, it's it starts with a death, and she begins to her upstairs neighbor, who is uh, a very uh, a very interesting character, a, uh, a Holocaust survivor. Um, dies, and she believes that it's it, the police say it's suicide. She believes otherwise. She. And so she begins to, as 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 a as a monster detective, to work the case. Hmm. So this story has it it, it it has a back it has a backstory of a of a Holocaust survivor, people living in uh, in 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 uh, the you know inner city inner city Chicago, um, poverty. They're surrounded by poverty. There's uh, 
1968, so there's, there's all kinds of political upheaval. And uh, the, the thing I love about this book is that while it's about a little girl who wants to be a monster, you really do get the feeling of what is monstrous about the normal folks. Mm. The, the, what is monstrous about us as, as people. I mean, you get into the backstory of, of her neighbor surviving the Holocaust, and, you know, that, that was a case of the nice folks doing some very monstrous stuff. Sure, yeah. So this is this is a, a, a fantastic book, um, and and uh, I, I believe uh, that Naomi discovered it in that most librarian esque sort of way in that it just came in through the book drop. That is such a <laughs> That's great, the best way to find books. Isn't the best? <laughs> yes. I love it when I find something something comes through and it just catches your eye. Yeah. And uh, it's one of the real perks of working the, in a library. <laughs> the one thing I would th- that I would warn against though, if you got into this, is I'm not even entirely sure if it says this, but this is actually volume one. So you get to the end of this story, and it's a cliffhanger where you weren't expecting a cliffhanger. And so instead, it's just unreasonable. <laughs> that is such just like a stomach-sinking feeling yeah, when yeah. you think you picked up a standalone and it's not. <laughs> li- yeah, so I literally went online and, you know, used some of that library food, Googled what's up with the ending of... <laughs> yeah. And, 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 of course, there were forums out there. Uh, and and uh, I guess other people also were kind of, uh, it, it came as a surprise. Yeah. But uh, it's wow. definitely worth, uh, worth, worth checking out. Worth the investment. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, that's book one right there on the slide. There you go, you see? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it just didn't jump out at me until end. That's really funny. Right. Clive Barker's done that to me before. His book series, oh, Aberat. Okay. Okay. I picked that up randomly off of the shelf in a bookstore when I was like 12 years old or however old I was the year it came out. Still isn't finished. Still waiting on a conclusion oh. for that book series. He's going to George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah. It has been a while. <laughs> it's been a really long time. I hope that one doesn't take as long. It's supposed to come out in April of next year. That's good. Um, I think folks should definitely check this out and uh, and, and, and see and see what it's see what it's all about. It's but, really uh, beautiful. I know you guys can't see it because right, this is audio, right, but it's it's really, it, even if you just come into the library to flip through it and admire the artwork, I think it would be worth your time. <laughs> and we will put all these recommendations on our on our website as yes. well, or on our on our catalog, so people can see um, see these these works and, and check them out for themselves. But you know, one of the things that I that, that I loved about this, and, I, and one of the reasons I want to talk about this particular story is that I think there's something that horror fans, uh, people who aren't really into into horror or they're you know might not get, and that's that it's that horror isn't necessarily all that horrifying or really yeah. scary. That it's that that it's beautiful. It's like that, and I and uh, for me that happened. You know, I, I can I can pick a handful of things. One of them was one of them was picking up Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, you know, another one of them. I, I want to say it was the same year. For some reason, I'm remembering the seventh the seventh grade being when I discovered all this stuff. Reading the uh, Poe's Cask of Amontillado, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and uh, yeah, horror doesn't doesn't scare horror fans. It's it's. It's beautiful. It's just it's just a kind of beautiful that you have to you have to learn how to how to see. You have to learn how to look at it in a certain light. I think really good horror makes you confront 
something either about yourself or about life in general. Mm -hmm. And I think horror fans, in some ways, may be better adjusted, more Mm well-adjusted, and that they can confront those things and learn from those things and and see it and still be able to, you know... Good horror shouldn't just be about scaring or right. grossing so, you so out. Stephen yeah. King can write these really disturbing things that make you, you know, confront some hard topics. Yeah. And then he can go on about his life and his day. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have, have a hard time reading his stuff because they're not ready to, to deal with some of those hard truths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really good point. <laughs> you could be a giant wuss like me and, and not like to be. <laughs> so one of the big questions we get asked at the library all the time this time of year, and I want to make sure we leave time for it, is movie recommendations. We're constantly being bombarded with scary movie recommendations. So I'm going to throw out my uh, top picks, and, and again, I'm a wuss, so mine are going to be gore and, you know, no saw for me. Yeah, um, one, The Shining, again. <laughs> just, if you haven't seen it, you should see it, just so you're kind of in the know in pop culture. Um, but then read the book, because the book is better. <laughs> My other two, um, What Lies Beneath, with Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is a terrifying bad man. Michelle Pfeiffer is his long-suffering wife. Scary things happen. Uh, this, along with The Shining, is uh, probably my sparked my uh, distrust of bathrooms or bathtubs. <laughs> um, there's there's a scary bathtub scene, much like there is in The Shining. So. Be wary of that. That's a real hard undersell for how terrifying that movie is. <laughs> it's so much more than just a scary bathtub scene. It's, it is a really scary it's movie. It's extremely traumatizing. I rented it. I rented it back when you had to rent movies. I rented it in college, and I was almost. Uh, I was at like the really like the pinnacle, the part at the end, mm-hmm. and I had to go and get. Uh, a friend on the hall to come sit with me and watch the end of it because I was too afraid to watch it by myself. I guess I thought Harrison Ford was going to burst into my dorm room and (laughs) attack me. I'm not really sure. Um, So What Lies Beneath. And then my other uh, all-time favorite scary movie is The Others with Nicole Kidman. It's very gothic um, and very dark. It's about a woman in post-World War II England who lives... Kind of like on a, an island, an islandy area. Uh, you kind of get the idea, impression. Kind of remote. Her husband's been off fighting in the war. She has two children who are allergic to sunlight. So they have to, in an already very dark part of the world, because it's England, they have to be in even more darkness. So they have to keep the house extremely dark. So everything's kind of shot in shadows. So you can't, that's creepy enough because you can't really see full picture. Um, and then these strangers show up. Uh, to the house to to work as as help basically for Nicole Kidman um, as this very stressed out mom with these two special needs children, um, and it it just takes some weird turns. It's very gothic. It's very sort of feels like a classic horror story, like like very Wilkie Collins, Women in White. Um, but I highly highly recommend. There's a good twist at the end too. Alexa, what about you? Well, playing off Nicole Kidman, um, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I rewatch it every single fall, is Practical Magic. Yeah. Um, based off of Alice Hoffman's book of the same name. Um, it stars Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman as sisters who are witches, and they live in this the cutest little New England town ever. The movie's so pretty, and it's just really atmospheric and, like, autumnal and lovely. And it's not necessarily a scary... It's not. It's just kind of, like... It has some moments. It's kind of spooky, and yeah. it's, it's, like, a good, like, light Halloween rom-com. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. There's it a really... Is, it is delightful. It's really, really good. Aiden Quinn is in it, and he's just, like, peak Aiden Quinn, like, 90s handsome. Like, it's nice. really, real good. Um, and Stockard Channing and Diane Weiss to play the ants. Oh, um, I love them. And they're really, really cute in it. Um, um, they actually, um, 
uh, Alice Hoffman has a prequel to Practical Magic uh, that either just came out or it just is, came out. Yeah, yeah, it just now came out called The Rules of Magic, which is a prequel about the ants. Yeah, um, played by Dan West and Stockard Channing in that film. Um, so that's going to be really good. I'm excited to read that. Um, another movie that we spoke a little bit about before we began the podcast, um, The Orphanage uh, by Guillermo del Toro, um, or El Orfanato. Um, it is subtitled. It is a Spanish-language film, um, and it's about a woman who who used to be an orphan. Um, she grew up in this orphanage, and she's now grown with her own child, and she and her family move back into the abandoned orphanage to make it their home, and then her son goes missing um, right after they move into the house. Um, and it is a really good example. Um, like Jenny, I'm kind of a wuss when it comes to horror. Um, it's not gory. Um, there's maybe one or two instances of gore, and the camera pretty much pans away the minute it happens. So it's like, it's very, there's no blood or anything. It is just terrifying. <laughs> it is haunting and just so, so creepy. Um, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro is really good at that, though. Yes, he is. Um, he, he does such a good job of just... Um, just atmosphere and just, like, dread whenever he's doing a horror movie. Pan's Labyrinth is the same way. Um, I haven't seen The Shape of Water yet, his most recent movie, um, which is basically just an Abe Sapien prequel to Hellboy, but I'm really excited about that. I, w- I will say it. Doug Jones is in that as well. He's the creature in the water. Um, we were talking about Doug Jones before the podcast also. Um, he's in everything. He's in everything. If there's a tall, spooky monster in a movie you're watching, it is Doug Jones. I guarantee it. Um, that's just the rule of cinema. Um, my third movie, which I recommend to everybody because it's one of my all-time favorite movies, is Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> it's another... I, everyone always laughs when I say it. I'm not kidding. It really is one of my favorite movies. I watch it every year um, on Halloween. Practical Magic and Deep Blue Sea are my must-watches for Halloween. Um, it is a movie from the, gosh, either late 90s or early 2000s starring Tom Jane before he was famous, before he did Punisher. Um, Samuel L. Jackson in maybe one of the smallest roles he's ever taken in a film. Um, and it's about uh, a scientist who is trying to cure Alzheimer's. And so she has done experiments on these sharks and she has made their brains larger to, in order to sample their brain tissue. And as a, as a side effect, the sharks got smart. And so the sharks are hunting these people in an underwater um, research lab. And it's really campy and super fun. Um, it's like the it's like the Sharknado before Sharknado. It is, yeah. Ella Cool J's there. Ella Cool J and Tom Jane. Ella Cool J Fantastic. is the the underwater lab. He is the underwater lab's preacher and cook. Okay. And he has a bird, and he talks to the bird a lot. The bird is named Bird. <laughs> I, everybody should watch Deep Blue Sea. It's super fun. Well, so one thing <laughs> that's really fascinating that. Um, Friends of ours uh, in Madison County, shout out to Madison County Public Library, they have a podcast called The Nerd Factor, which is great and you should listen to, but they talk about how a lot of horror movies actually pass uh, the Bechdel test, Yeah, which is the test uh, to, to test how, I guess, how cinema, how fair cinema is mm-hmm. to, to women, yes. and the test is fairly easy. It just has to have two women. Mm-hmm. They have to have a conversation, not about men. Right. Um, for like three lines. For I like think. three lines. Yeah. And it's surprisingly hard to find. Most movies lot, do not pass. Most movies do not. But, yeah. most, but a lot of horror films do, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is something going in its favor. I'm and trying to think if Deep Blue Sea passes or not. It might not. But there well, are three women LL in it. Cool J, LL Cool J reminded me. He's also in, is it Halloween? He's in one of the Halloween I think he's movies? in one of them. Halloween yeah. H2O, I think. Probably. And that one passes. Oh, nice. So there you go. There, Yeah. Ooh, Zombieland is another good one. I was, yes. That made me think of funny horror movies. Zombieland is really funny. And Shaun of the Dead. Yes. It's another funny horror movie. That's a good one. Yes, Brian. What about you? Okay, so so I uh, I think my my first pick, and this is a great autumn pick, would have to be the original Night of the Living Dead. 
Oh, oh it's so yes. good. 1969, shot in Pittsburgh. Um, my, my, my parents are from Pittsburgh, and so when I was a kid, uh, I would always hear about how it had Chili Billy Cardilli in it. <laughs> he was a, uh, he was a, a, a local uh, uh, DJ, and he had a creep show. He, he huh. has, yeah, and this, was, this would have been the late 60s, so he did a, as I understand, he did a, uh, a scary movie, after, like, like, like on the local TV. TV. Oh, he, okay. he was a, like, a, like an Elvira horror uh, uh, movie host. That's really fascinating. Yeah, I've yeah, seen that movie yeah. so many times, I never knew that. Yes. He, he's only in it for, for a, he has a bit part in it. That's yeah. really cool. So the original Night of the Living Dead is a great autumn mm-hmm. pick. Um, then, uh, so my next one is going to be uh, a John Carpenter. I would go with In the Mouth of Madness. Now, John, have you have either of you seen this? No. No, my, I, okay. no, I haven't. Carpenter went on an unholy run as a horror. He was the horror director. Look at, look at his IMDb page. I, I would argue that he went on a Stephen King-esque yes, run. Yes, he did, yeah. Like from the late 70s around, I don't know if you want to put Halloween or maybe The Fog. I can't remember even which one of those would have come first. Right up through the 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 mid '90s, I think I think the first the first uh, oh, because even now I'm saying in the mouth of Madness, I'm thinking he did he did the thing. The thing is the, the best. Thing I, is I have to say the thing is phenomenal. The thing is phenomenal. But in the mouth of Madness, I would pick because uh, this one came out in the early '90s. It has Sam Neill, and uh, he's playing a private investigator who's hired to go searching for a, a super popular horror author who's gone missing. And uh, people are reading this uh, this author's books and going crazy. Hmm. So uh, it's it, it's a it's a fantastic book. F- it's a fantastic movie for book lovers because there's because it it, it plays heavily in, in, into that theme the theme of, of horror fiction and what uh, wow. and it, and and maybe it coming from from uh, a supernatural place. I should watch that. I've never does, even yeah. heard of this movie, and I yeah. really want to watch it now. In the mouth of madness. Uh, and then the next one I'm going to pick also also mid nineties. And you know what's funny is anytime I name this this movie, people either love it or they hate it. Also mid nineties, also Sam Neill, Event Horizon. I haven't seen it. Okay, but I've heard of it. <laughs> okay, so Event Horizon uh, is a it, it, it's a space movie actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, what well, the the plot is that a uh, uh, the the people we the the hum, humanity has built its first deep. A deep space uh, manned um, uh, spaceship, and as as I recall, this has been it's been some time since I since I seen it. So, uh, what happens is it it disappears. It gets out by Jupiter and it disappears. And then sometime later, of course, all this happens before our story begins. It, it, it reappears, and its signal is it's sending a signal back from. It being in orbit off off Jupiter, that uh, that it's back. Something and about space is just so inherently so, creepy. Right. <laughs> I don't do space movies unless Will Smith is fighting aliens. That's so, a personal rule. So our story revolves around Sam Neill and his group of people who are going to check out, going to going out to the to to the spaceship, to, and to find out what the heck happened. And it gets into um, they. They went somewhere outside of space, 
too spooky. Too spooky super, for me. Super, super, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's this that's is, terrifying. It's, 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 it's a very, very frightening movie. I can so. barely do the first Alien movie. We have a fairly large contingent of librarians at LPL who do not like space movies, myself included, <laughs> who find space movies really creepy, and I don't know... Well, that, this is the fun thing about this, is that it's, you know, it's... It, it starts with that. I don't even know if it ever, if it even really starts with with a feeling of it's, this is just going to be space, space, and you're safe from horror because the transmissions that are coming back aren't right. Yeah. And the more that you, the more that they unpack it, the less right they it's get. It's not like, hey guys. Yeah. Not we, took a, we took a wrong turn. It's making me like itchy and right. uncomfortable. <laughs> took, took a wrong turn at, at Jupiter and ended up in so hell. So freaked out. I got like physically nauseous watching the trailers for Gravity. Like I can't, I can't do any any space. Is just. Mm. What about what about some fun Halloween movies like Fun Camp, like uh, Shaun of the Dead, of course, is great. Evil Dead. Evil Dead is great. If you're if Evil Dead is too Evil Dead's a little straight. It's not super it funny. Um, Evil Dead is straight horror. If you want funny, um, go Army of Darkness. Yeah. That's what I meant. Army um, of Darkness. Yeah, that's what I meant. Army I was gonna say Darkness, Evil Dead. Movie. Evil Dead yeah. and Evil Dead Two are both kind of Evil Dead Two is basically just a refilming of Evil Dead, but with a budget uh, that Sam Raimi procured. Um, Army of Darkness is Army of Darkness. really funny. Um, Campy and delightful. Yes. Bruce Campbell's so good in it. If yes. you want to delve deeper into the Bruce Campbell over, um, I might recommend <laughs> Alien Apocalypse. Um, it was released in 2005. I'm going to now display the cover to Jenny and Brian. Oh, that is peak Bruce Campbell. It is for sure. excellent. It is a, Bruce Campbell's an astronaut. And he was up in space in his space station, and when he comes back to Earth, it has been taken over by aliens who feast upon wood. It is like peak sci-fi channel movie. It's very ridiculous. Um, One of one of my like giant termites. Yeah, exactly. And they've enslaved the human race. Um, Bruce Campbell teams up with the president. Okay. Um, to take the earth back from the wood-eating aliens. One of my favorite lines in that movie. Um, somebody, Bruce Campbell's like drunk and he's talking. He's like, oh, earth used to be so great. And he's talking about what all he used to love about earth. He mentions TV. And one of the enslaved people says, what's TV? And he says, none of your damn business. <laughs> if that's not just like indicative of the entire movie, then I don't know what is. Everyone should watch it. Uh, you can get your hands on it, I'm sure, pretty easily. It's just a cheap sci-fi movie. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. It's really good. Would recommend. <laughs> Did I do? Well, I've got two then. Um, <laughs> one, this one is a movie. I think it kind of flies under the radar a little bit. I don't. Maybe, maybe you both have both seen it, and everybody knows about it. But this came out in the in the mid '90s. It was written by Pete, written and directed by Peter Jackson back before he was Peter. Jackson. Oh, is it Heavenly Creatures? No, yeah. before that. No, this. Uh, let me see. This was 95, I think. 96. Okay. It stars Michael J. Fox, and it's a movie called The Frighteners. <gasps> Yay! I love that movie! Yeah, right? Yeah. I've heard of it. Oh, Michael J. Fox is so great. Super fun horror-themed yeah. movie where I can't remember why, but for so- somehow Michael J. Fox has the ability to talk to ghosts. Yeah. And so <laughs> he, he, don't, he doesn't need a reason. Right, and so he, he sets up <laughs> He's a... He's like, why don't Beetlejuice. Yeah. Right. And he said, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's a really good one, too. <laughs> Jeez, I would have gone Beetlejuice. Um, but uh, he sets up a a, a, a fakey sort of uh, um, Ghostbusters yeah. type, type deal. Uh, Another good one. <laughs> where he, Right, where, he, where he's going to people's houses and getting the ghosts out of there, capturing them for him. But, oh. they're actu- but we find out that they're actually his, just his buddy ghosts. Like, it's just a scam that they have that they're really running funny. over and over. But then it turns out that there's something really bad going on with in the world of ghosts. That's so, pretty usual. Yeah, the Frighteners is a good is a good one. Peter Jackson back before. 
I want to see... can never go wrong with Michael J. Fox. Yeah, exactly right, right. Um, and then and then another one I would pick, and I thought and, and, and I thought this is where you were, you were going with, with Bruce Campbell. <laughs> with Alien Apocalypse. <laughs> came from the early 2000s, Bubba Hotep. Oh my gosh, oh, I own Bubba that Hotep. too. I have an Bubba. entire Bruce Campbell library. Um, and okay. Bubba Hotep is delightful. Yeah, I think I think everyone needs to know yeah. about. Tell Bubba. tell everyone what Bubba. Yeah, Hotep do the rundown is. of the plot. <laughs> so, yeah, let me book talk this movie. Yeah, it's great. Stars Bruce Campbell as an a an aged Elvis, <laughs> an actual Elvis, an actual yeah. a real Elvis. He, he is access. He's he, actually Elvis. He is. He plays Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. and the the story is that. Elvis got sick of fame, and he traded off his place with with an Elvis impersonator. So it was actually an Elvis impersonator mm-hmm, who, died. who died in Graceland. Right. Now he is the real Elvis in a in a in a, a retirement home <laughs> in rural Texas. Mm-hmm. I just can't stop laughing when I think being, about it. It's so good. Who, who, of course, no one believes. Right. They believe that he is that he's. That like dementia, like he, a he dementia. Has dementia. Yeah, he's elderly. And so he team, so he teams up. Who who plays the uh, JFK? I can't remember the actor's I name. I can't either. But and yeah, uh, let me look it up real quick. Uh, We're gonna find it. Hold on. Is it Ozzy? I got you. Mm. Oh, you know Ozzy Davis. Ozzy Davis. Ozzie Davis. Yeah. Plays, Davis yeah. So Ozzy Davis plays uh, a. a, a Someone else in, in the home who believes he's he, he's and, JFK. And, and yes, we recognize Ozzy Davis is African American. That is part of the that is part of the that's the, the joke. That's the joke. Running running joke. JFK exactly. was yes. black JFK. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that the, the government did something to him. Yes. Yes. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> and the community is terrorized by a an ancient mummy who has who was being transported by 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 the government mm-hmm. and who uh, dropped off the back of a, of a truck, a truck. Yeah. Um, and now and now is preying on the the uh, all the folks in this in this retirement home yes so their souls yeah it, it, eating their souls yeah uh, this is just a fantastic movie uh, I can't remember I can't remember now off the top of my head who the director is uh, but it's funny. It's oddly sweet. It's, yeah, it's it funny. Is, yeah. It's sweet. It's Don Coscarelli is Don, the director. Okay, who 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 directed uh, Phantasm, I believe. I think that you're right. Yeah. yeah. So he has he has his chops. At, he has his uh, a, a background in in horror. In, in I was going to say true horror, mm-hmm. but this is this is comedic horror. It is. And, yeah. Uh, a, a lot of fun for some for folks who 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 are looking for something. Yeah, I love that movie. It's Sidebar, I love that we're ending on Bubba Hotep, first of all. Second, I love that we've all three seen the movie yeah, Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep! <laughs> that is so good. If you take nothing else away from this episode, if checked out, rent or, or check out Bubba Hotep. Yes. If we don't have a copy, I will ensure that we get one. We'll buy one. Absolutely. Don't worry. It is a quality, quality film. <laughs> it really is. Would recommend. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this edition of Checked Out. We hope you guys have a great uh, and safe Halloween and enjoy some scary books and scary movies. Yes, and thank you, Brian, so yes, much for joining so much. us. Thanks for having me. And it's check out fun. Brian's book, uh, The Witch of Bracken's Hollow yes. by Evan Winters. The library has multiple, multiple copies. Check it out if you like scary books. It is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys.